Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! What an absolutely ridiculous, dangerous, chaotic weekend in Central Indy Hammer. We had shootings, we had stabbings, we had armed robberies, we had street takeovers involving horses. I mean, I've heard of these street takeovers, Fast and the Furious, where it's a bunch of hot rods and they're all in a circle doing spin outs and these motorcycles that could go 300 miles an hour, that kind of thing up and down. But this this horse thing, and maybe you could, <laughs> I, I'll leave it up to you to explain what happened. I, I don't get it. So if you were stuck in traffic around the MLK area on Sunday night, you could legitimately say, Hey, screw you and the horse you rode in on. (laughs) Because what's happening, according to the IMBD, are these parties that are taking place are getting so out of control in nearby parks and neighborhoods. They're spilling over into the street and they're becoming like big block parties where people are just out there walking around, having some drinks, having a good time, riding horses. Uh, Where did the horses come into play? I mean, I, I, I grew up in Lisbon all my life. I'm a redneck. I never once had access to a horse. I think when I was a kid, we had a Shetland pony. I lived out in the woods. Where, where, like, if you live in MLK or, or downtown Indianapolis, where, do you, where are these horses coming from? Yeah, you wouldn't think that the MLK area would be a hotbed for horseback citizens riding. having horses, right? Horseback riding. But... Officials with the IMPD say that these street takeovers, which are an ongoing thing, this wasn't like this past weekend was an isolated incident where a party was rocking, things got carried away, it went into the street. No, this stuff has been happening habitually, and police believe that all these folks meet up near Riverside Park and eventually just spill out into the street. Now, if you're somebody that is trying to drive nearby, whether you're going to work, maybe taking your family somewhere, wherever, you get stuck in all of this, and you just have to sit there and wait. So the police reported that their event response group was dispatched to MLK to help disperse the crowd over the weekend. Now, police told... Fox 59, that street takeovers sometimes threaten public safety and the officers that are responding. Sometimes. One person was taken into custody a few nights before the one we're talking about. So the one we're talking about at MLK happened on Sunday evening. Somebody was taken into custody a few nights before that for disorderly conduct and basically blocking the street and becoming... A pain in the ass, the police. Assistant Chief Chris Bailey, Assistant Chief of Police, tweeted about this guy. Suspect arrested in connection with the street takeover activity. This was his second arrest for alleged involvement in street takeovers. He bonded out of jail Saturday night despite an ask from prosecutors and the police for an increased bond. 
we need assistance from our criminal justice system to hold people accountable. Think of what you have here, the assistant chief of police, Chief Bailey, we've had him on the show, actually asking, I mean, saying the quiet part out loud that the criminal justice system needs to course correct on this whole low, no bonds for repeat offenders. But apparently, Nige, everybody in Indianapolis thinks this is just fine because the people responsible for allowing this kind of crap keep getting reelected. Ryan Mears, he won his race with 60% of the vote. Boss Hogsett probably going to win again this year, despite the fact that he's a total zero and he's nowhere to be found when riots break out. The people of Indianapolis look at this and apparently they think it's cute. When streets get taken over and people are a pain in the backside to police and where they get them, I don't know, but they start riding horses up and down MLK. Yeah, didn't a police car pulled up and the horses all surrounded the police car? Yeah. Sort of in a, in a threatening manner. Reverend Charles Harrison of the 10 Point Coalition, friend of our program, he tweets out, quote, this is madness that we're allowing street takeovers in Indy. They were at Castleton Mall on Friday. They were at Keystone on Saturday. And Sunday, they're at MLK. The city leaders need to address the problem because it's a public safety issue of lawlessness. And that goes into what you talked about, Nige, from the assistant chief of police. Yeah. Basically begging, almost, the people who have the ability to lock some of these people up to do their jobs. But nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to put bad people or habitual problems away. Here's an ankle monitor. Here's a slap on the bottom. Get out there, you little scamp. Don't do it again. Narrator. But they do it again. <laughs> they do it over and, and over, over again. <laughs> So that was one issue that yes. the city of Indianapolis had this past weekend. Aside from street parties with horses, which, again, <laughs> ridiculous to say, at least nine people shot, one killed this past weekend in Indy. An investigation's underway after a guy was found dead near the northwest side early this morning. Uh, officers responded to the 800 block of West 25th around 7 a.m. behind a vacant home in an alley. They located an adult male unresponsive in a vehicle with injuries consistent of gunshot wounds. IMPD said the man died on the scene. So that was 7 a.m. today. Let's do a little weekend rewind, shall we? Please. Sunday, street parties with horses. Saturday night, three back-to-back -back double shootings. Let that sink in. Three separate Double shootings, all back-to-back. -back. One on the north side, one on the south side, one near Monument Circle. Then go back to Friday evening. Two armed robbery suspects were wounded in a shootout with SWAT officers near Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, is that what you texted me about? That Was that on the Citizens app? Yeah. You, and I put that out on social yeah, media. Yeah, 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 if it, anybody's that's it, that's got it. citizens, have you seen this? Uh, there was two armed robbery suspects and then... The SWAT officers near Lucas Oil ended up in some sort of pursuit with these individuals. The suspect opened fire while the SWAT Jeez. team tried to use the prevention techniques before they fled. All in a weekend's work here in Indianapolis, man. Just an absolute mess. Get ready for four more years, baby. 
And it doesn't matter who wins. That's the thing. Because Boss Hawkset and Jefferson Shreve might as well be the same guy. Not only do they kind of look alike, but they have the same (laughs) feelings. All the things that we just rattled off, both of these clowns think it's the fault of law-abiding gun owners. You evil, disgusting, gross, law-abiding gun owners that don't have a criminal record. This is all your fault. That's both of them. That's the, quote, Republican candidate and Jefferson Shreve. And that's also Boss Hogsett. Nigel, I need a story that picks me up. I okay. need something a little bit happier. Can you deliver How for me? How about this? The Wienermobile. I'm sorry, the what? The Wienermobile is back after Oscar Mayer changed the name to the Frank Mobile. Oh, I remember four that. four months ago. You know what the Wienermobile is? Yeah, the big hot dog-looking dog vehicle. vehicle that Oscar Mayer has. Were they trying to get woke a couple months back and maybe, change it to the uh, Frank yeah, Mobile? They wanted to change it to the Frank Mobile. Maybe, um, maybe Frank isn't as uh, offensive as Wiener. Um, <laughs> so, but no, good news. It's known as the Wiener Mobile once again. Good, good thing our reporters here, embedded at the Hammer and Nigel show, were at the press conference to catch the big announcement. We at Oscar Mayer are changing the name of the Frank Mobile back to the Wiener Mobile. We thought about it long and hard and came to the conclusion that changing the name in the first place was the worst. Some bonehead in marketing made a ding-dong move, and our customers got the shaft. I'm not trying to be cocky, but we took a vote with the staff, and there wasn't a lot of stiff competition. So welcome back, Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Bravo. You see what they did, Allison, <laughs> was they made a bunch of puns that were phallic in nature. Did you catch that, Allison? Uh, yeah, they're really subtle. Really Very subtle. Very subtle, yes. Mm. Just want to make sure you <laughs> caught that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Cold swing in overtime in Baltimore, baby, by a field goal. That was an awesome, wild game. I had a blast watching that game in my garage, just screaming and shouting at the end. The neighbor, <laughs> all the other neighbors are out, kind of out doing it, like yard work and stuff, and kids were playing, and this lunatic in his garage was going, Yeah, baby, come on! Let's go! <laughs> Woo! I, uh, and, and the kicker is awesome. Matt Gay, four field goals over 50 yards that's never happened in the nfl before that's the big off-season free agent signing (laughs) of the indianapolis colts now we're laughing but he decided the game i mean he was the reason the colts won the game he he was on the colts practice squad like back in 2020 then i think the rams picked him up he went and won a super bowl with the rams and and then he i think the colts signed him again and that's worth every penny apparently and i love it love it when Baltimore loses to Indianapolis because you know they hate that horseshoe with the passion of a million fires because oh, yeah. you know Guy Relford helps steal their That's football right. team and bring them to Indianapolis that still bothers them to this day some of these fans weren't even born when it happened but they've just been 
taught from their parents and grandparents to hate the Colts. And for a backup quarterback, a backup running back, a backup center to go into their house yep. and beat them, oh man, that was chef's kiss. What, tell me real quick though, I heard you guys talking in the back office about, um, I overheard you say something like, could the Colts have won that game with Anthony Richardson playing? So, what do you mean? Like, you don't think they could have won that game either way? They could have, but when you have a rookie quarterback, you take the good with the bad. Now, Anthony Richardson is super explosive. He can break runs off that Gardner Minshew cannot do. Anthony Richardson can turn a broken play into something special. He was injured, by the way. His concussion protocol, right? Should be back for the uh, home game against the Rams this week. But with rookie quarterbacks, sometimes you don't get the poise late in the game. You know, not been in that position before. Would he throw an interception? Because the ball was wet, it was slippery, it was raining in Baltimore. So, who knows? Maybe the Colts still win that game with Anthony Richardson. Maybe they don't need overtime to win it. I don't know. But I think it's an interesting question because they're so different. Gardner Minshew compared to uh, Richardson. I think it's a fun debate. Hit us up on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. Do you think the Colts would have won that game with a rookie quarterback? And then what happened with the Domers? Because I fell asleep. Looked like some uh, coaching blunders there. Oh, uh, man. To put it mildly. As Ron Burgundy once said, the glass case of emotion <laughs> for Notre Dame fans. Notre Dame had the lead 14-10. to 10. There's time for one more play. Ohio State runs in for the touchdown. But Notre Dame only has 10 players on the field. (laughs) They only had 10 players on the field, and they did that for multiple plays in a row. You're kidding. So, yeah, you give Ohio State a one-man advantage, they're probably going to find the end zone. And it was such a heartbreaker. And for a gambler, because I had Notre Dame plus three. I didn't get the 3.5 that you got. Yeah, I got it at three and a half. I had plus three. So when the Ohio State player scored the touchdown, originally it was a walk-off. Clock was at zero. I thought, well, that sucks, but at least I won my bet. You know, Ohio State won the game, but Notre Dame plus three, I would have won. But no, no, no. They had to go to the replay booth, the freaking replay booth, and said there was one second left on the clock. (laughs) So then they kicked the extra point, and anybody who bet the game, it's like it was a waste of your time. It was a push. All right. So after the game, Ohio State's coach, Ryan Day, he was ticked off because Lou Holtz, iconic Notre Dame head coach. We've had him on the show before. He did an interview, I think, with Pat McAfee, where he called Ohio State soft. He said this year's team was soft. This was Ohio State's coach after the game. What can you say about the performance from your quarterback, Kyle McCord, to finish that drive? Toughness. Toughness. That's it. Physicality, cross the board, finish it off, having guts. You know, like I like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. What he said about our team. What he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio, and it's always been Ohio against the world. It'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. Lou Holtz is 86 <laughs> years old. Say, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's going after a frail old man. So you're shocked that the former coach of Notre Dame yeah. said something about the team getting ready to play <laughs> Notre Dame. He's 86. But Coach Day there wasn't the only one spitting fire this past weekend. 
Did anybody watch the Colorado and Oregon game? Oh, yeah, I had that on. Yeah, Oregon yeah, blew out Beyond Sanders in Colorado. As a matter of fact, Guy Relford owes me some beer because of that really? game. Uh, but before the game, listen to Oregon's coach trying to fire up his team, talking about all the press and publicity and, you know, attention Colorado gets. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet! Right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man. Right? They're fighting for clicks. We're fighting for wins. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Right? This game ain't going to be played in Hollywood. It's going to be played on the grass. Right? It's going to be played on the grass. Let's go. Those are all shots at Dion and his team. Yeah, but at the same time... He's getting his team fired up. Oregon's going to sit there and go, they're fighting for clicks. They fight for substance. Oregon has a new uniform combination every single game. They've got like 100 different uniforms. So maybe pump the brakes a little bit on how blue collar you are. Uh, Last thing here. Usher was named... Halftime performer of the Super Bowl, Nige, your thoughts? Oh, boy, another year where there's no rock acts. No Foo Fighters, no Metallica. Boo! (laughs) So here's what what we're going to do. You are Mr. Rock and Roll. You were Mr. Rock DJ. You listened to rock music. I'm going to play you a little montage of Usher songs. Tell me how many you know. Okay? Okay. Here we go. Have you ever heard of this? No. You make me wanna. This was his first hit, actually. Nothing? Falling in love again? DJ got us falling in love again. (laughs) Ever heard it? Yeah, I've heard this one. Okay. Oh my God, I'm so in love. I found you finally. The love in this club? No. OMG. Oh my God. So. There you go. Love in this club. Oh, I got it. I got one. You got one. After the fact. Nice and slow? Yeah. There you go. See? Look at you. I already said nice you and slow. Pretty, pretty little thing you used to be a Radio Now DJ. You well, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, of course. This is his biggest song, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. A question everybody needs to ask themselves. I don't know about this. If Biden is voted out, Hammer, would you favor America sending special forces into Mexico to clamp down on the cartels? I think I'd be in favor of more troops at the border. I'd be in favor of shutting down the border until we could get things under control, but actually sending troops into Mexico... Um, I'd be in favor of bringing ICE back to do what they do best. Find folks that are here illegally, creating problems, and sending them back to uh, wherever they came from. I know that sounds harsh, but when you've got a wide open border and people are just walking through areas that have been opened by the government, like that reporter pointed out in Arizona, then... 
what would you want ICE to do? They have to find the bad actors and you have to send them packing back to wherever it is their point of origin was. Actual military action in Mexico, that's a tricky question. I think it depends on how bad things get between now and January of 2025 whenever a new president is sworn in, assuming it is a new president. So there's no doubt. I think when people use the word invasion, I think I think invasion is appropriate in terms of gotaways. When you talk about the people that aren't being processed, that slip through the cracks, how many hundreds of thousands of gotaways? We don't know who they are. We don't know where they're at. At least with these, you know, these Venezuelans and everybody using the app, they're being processed and just let into the country. We'll never see them again. And the app approves everyone. The gotaways, the gotaways are something different, man. That is an invasion for sure. So last week, Trump announced his plans to deploy thousands of foreign-based troops uh, to the border during a rally in Iowa. Uh, In his remarks, he referred to it as an invasion at the southern border. Ron DeSantis, he's kind of said the same thing. He did an interview with Nora O'Donnell on CBS, and they asked him about using deadly force against drug cartels just walking across the border. Yeah, I'm going to have the military at the border, 100%. I mean, if they're trying to break through the wall, we will have deadly force authorized to be able to stop that. I mean, if To some shoot migrants coming across the border. Cartel members, I mean, you, you have to identify them as being hostile. I mean, if there's, a, if there's a woman with a baby, they're not a cartel member. They're, there's not going to be authorization to just shoot somebody like that. But when somebody's got a backpack on and they're, and they're breaking through the wall, you know that that's hostile intent and you have every right uh, to take action under those circumstances. Circumstances, And if you guess what, you do that a few times, the times are a change in, they will have to uh, respond to that. So that's basically DeSantis saying, once you start letting people know that it's open season on killing cartel members down here, other folks will say, tell your friends what you saw. So that's an interesting approach. Now, Nikki Haley, the former U.N. ambassador, she's also endorsed the use of military force in Mexico, but has said this is in relation to just tackling drug cartels, not necessarily shooting them on sight as they walk across the border. Pete Buttigieg, former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, now your failing transportation secretary, he was on Meet the Press this past week and was asked if the Biden administration was caught off guard by this big surge of action at the southern border. Biden administration caught off guard by this latest surge of migrants? What you saw was the administration, as always, responding as needed to conditions, being uh, proactive where necessary. Were you caught off guard, though? uh, Look, uh, the the president did what needed to be done. And uh, often that involves a rapid response, like the rapid response that this administration directed. Anybody hear an answer? did what needed to be done. He got rid of the Remain in Mexico policy. <laughs> he got rid of Title 42. He did what needed to be done to let to make it easier for people to come in. And Kristen Welker asked him twice in like a 15-second span, were you caught off guard? And all you got was gibberish, basically, <laughs> from Pete Buttigieg. Uh, I thought this was fascinating. This was great moments in trolling. To highlight how embarrassing it is that the United States Senate is changing their dress code because Fetterman 
is apparently too incompetent to dress himself and refuses to do so. There was a New York Post reporter, John Levine, who dressed up like Fetterman. He had a hoodie on and like big baggy shorts and, you know, tennis shoes and was trying to get into all these fancy elite oh, restaurants yeah. in New York City. Yeah, like these $600 meal, seven plate meals and stuff like that. Nobu, Danielle, places like that. Place I've never even heard of. Place I'll never go in my life. Like the the equivalent of the French Laundry in California, stuff like that. Right. So he's dressed up like Fetterman and showed them that he had the money, had the credit cards and everything, but they would not let him in. So it just goes to show that fancy restaurants have higher standards than the United States Senate, which <laughs> houses some of the most powerful people in this country. He jumped on Fox and Friends this morning. Civilization is a choice that we make every single day. Like, you know, you woke up today and you put on, it's very early in the morning, and you put on a suit and tie. And I've always ever seen you on this show on a suit and tie. Right. Because you have great respect for yourself and your audience. But in the United States Senate, you can just march in like you, you came out of a Pilates class. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a difference in, in standards that we're seeing. And it's a choice that he's just not making. There's a couple places that let him in, if I remember correctly reading that article. But yeah, the high-end places, $700, you know, seven-course meals. Right. Yeah, you weren't even getting in the vestibule of the (laughs) restaurant. And man, I'm sorry, but I'm just so tired of being nice to Fetterman because Fetterman's a horrible, rotten SOB. And listen, I hope his health improves. I really do. But this guy does not have his fastball. He's a few fries short of a Happy Meal, and his horrible wife, who does not care at all about his well-being, keeps propping him up there to do this job. The DNC doesn't care if he lives or dies. They just wanted to have another Democrat in the Senate. This guy can't speak in sentences. We played the audio last week of him saying he has a hard time understanding language right now. This lunatic is making decisions for your health care. Could be life or death decisions, potentially. Your national security. Exactly. He's making decisions for you. So I'm sorry he had a stroke. I hope he gets better. But his wife doesn't care. The Democrats don't care. And I don't want him making decisions for me. So don't come with that weak nonsense of, well, you're being mean to a stroke victim. Maybe I am. Because he's deciding things for me, and he's in no position to do so. All right, let's transition a little bit. Let's play a special Monday afternoon edition of Is It Racist? It's time to play Is It Racist? Now, for those who may be new to the Hammer and Nigel show, thank you for listening. Here to explain the rules of this game is AOC. Is it racist? Is something racist? Yes or no? (laughs) All right, Nige, here are the facts, okay? Joe Biden was speaking at some event that featured some of the biggest names in hip-hop. Well, it was a Congressional Black Caucus. Yeah. LL Cool J was there. Got some award or something like that. Ladies love Cool James. James Todd Smith is his real name. LL Cool J. One, Joe Biden butchered his name. And two, he called him Boy. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America, LLJ Cool J. Uh, <laughs> by the way, 
That boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's... Oh, is it racist? Yeah, sure, by Democrat standards, of course. That's racist, 100% racist. You can't have an old, rich, elite white guy calling a black guy boy. That's, I mean, that's, but that's not our standards. It's, that's your standards. They made the rules of yeah. engagement. And had this been, let's say, Mitch McConnell saying that about LO Cool J, I think you'd see a lot more coverage of this, right? How dare that, that rich white senator from the Commonwealth of Kentucky call LO Cool J boy. But Joe Biden does it, and it's and fine. You can tell he caught himself, too. That boy, oh, that man. Look at that man's arms. He he's got a real problem with referring to African Americans as boys. I think earlier this year he's criticized for uh, calling Maryland's first black governor boy. Uh, back in 2019, <laughs> like Cory Booker had like told CNN that he had to pull Biden aside and tell him to stop calling African Americans boys. That's, I mean, he got a lecture from Cory Booker. Well, but, I mean, this is the same guy. Was it 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts? You can't go into one without an Indian accent. Right. You know, he said he's piled around with segregationists, calling kids roaches. You ain't black on the Charlemagne the God show. You don't know whether to vote for me. You ain't black, which is probably one of the most racist and insulting offensive things uh, that, to ever come out of a, a president's mouth, ra- racially yo- speaking. Didn't he call young black girls roaches? I love having roaches on my lap. Yeah, so calling kids roaches. That's his thing. He's that's who Joe Biden is. But what's left out is, again, he has no idea who LL Cool J is. Listen to the way he butchers his name. Can I hear that one more time, Allison, please? You're the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip hop in America. LLJ Cool J. LLJ Cool J. Happy birthday, dear It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. So are we all tired of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey yet? I know I am. Now, Allison, who is the resident Swifty of this program, someone who has seen Taylor Swift in concert, probably trying to go again when she comes to Indy. Does this Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift thing do anything for you? I mean, it's interesting because I don't think she usually dates athletes, but it's not something I want to constantly see on my Instagram. Yeah, no. Travis Kelsey, yeah, I'm tied in, Super Bowl champion, <laughs> tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they played the Bears last night. I think it was the only game on TV. I don't, I don't know if there's another game on. Uh, on Fox or not, I, I forgive it, but it was I was forced to watch this game. Basically, it was like the varsity and against the JV. It, it was, and because there was really nothing happening on the field, I think the Chiefs beat the Bears like forty-two to ten or something like that. Because there was absolutely nothing of interest happening on the field, they kept on talking about Taylor Swift and her being in Travis Kelsey's suite the entire game. It was mind-numbing. My favorite thing is the name of this couple. Because like when you had Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, you combined their names, they were Benifer, right? Yeah. So Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, Travis Taylor, 
trailer. And this is so on brand, I think, for Taylor Swift. Travis <laughs> and Taylor being trailer absolutely works. I mean, they're both 30, they're the same age. They're both in their early 30s. The only difference is she's a billionaire, worldwide known pop star. He's, I mean, you, I don't know, Travis Kelsey's what, worth $20 million maybe? I, don't, I have no idea. But I think he offers Taylor something that she doesn't normally see. Because in Arrowhead Stadium, on Sundays in the fall, Travis Kelsey is more famous than Taylor yeah, Swift. It's usually all about her. Good point. Right. So normally when she's dating other musicians or actors or whoever it is Taylor Swift dates, uh, she's the biggest star in the room. And she still is the bigger star. But when Travis Kelsey puts on that jersey and he goes out there for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's all about him. And maybe that's something Taylor's never had before. So she was at the suite, and you're right. He's sitting next to his mom, right? Sitting next to Mama Kelsey, and the broadcast crew loved every minute of it. I don't know who jumped higher after a Travis Kelsey touchdown. If it was Taylor or Greg Olson when he heard she was going to be at the stadium today. Quite the day, right? I think my favorite part of that shot, Taylor Swift is chest pumping for Travis Kelsey's touchdown, and Mama Kelsey's just standing next to her. She's like, honey, I've seen 71 of these. She gave like a light tap on the glass, and she wasn't overly excited about it. I remember one of the announcers goes, yeah, one time... Taylor Swift liked one of my tweets. <laughs> it's like, oh, dear Lord. I will say this for Taylor. After Travis scored his touchdown in the game. She was fired up. She was. You could read her lips. She let an LFG go. <laughs> Did she? Yeah. Let's bleeping that far. go. Yeah. Absolutely. And then after the game, Aaron Andrews, who was the sideline reporter for the game, talked to Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, and kind of asked him, hey, was there any pressure to get Travis a touchdown. Do you realize how much pressure there was on you today from the Swifties to get Travis Kelsey a touchdown with Taylor in the house today? Yeah, I heard she was in the house. Did you feel the pressure, Patrick? I felt a little bit of pressure, um, and so I knew I had to get it to Travis. And of course, it's on a route that Travis, he does his own thing and just makes up a route and I throw it to him. So uh, I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as uh, all the Swifties wanted him to. I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure he was very concerned. I'm sure the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback was very concerned about getting Kelsey a touchdown just so he could impress Taylor Swift. I'll give you some crossfire on this. They were playing the Bears, and he knew the game was not in doubt. The Bears stink to high heaven. So I think at that point, he legitimately did want he's Travis gonna, Kelsey. He's going to help a bro out, basically. Right, All right. right. We're All up right. 40 to nothing at this point. Might as well get my buddy in the end zone here. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Joe Biden absolutely cratering in multiple polls. We've been seeing his numbers decline for a while now, Hammer. But does the polling fall within the margin of fraud, Nige? That's the question. Does the polling fall within the area that, well, we could make that up with some mail-in votes? That's the million-dollar question. (laughs) Some people have a margin of error. Yeah. Others have a margin of fraud. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Good question. So we got multiple <laughs> polls. If you're into this kind of thing, let's break well, it down. I, I mean, I do think they have an air legitimacy because they all, like I said, are similar. Right. So NBC's poll on the approval of Hair Sniff McGee. 
Take a listen. Simple question of job approval. Barely 40 percent approve of Joe Biden's performance. And we have to note 56 percent. That's the highest disapproval rating for President Biden since he took office. That's significant. Yeah. So let's take a look at what's driving that, too, here in one big area. No surprise. It is the economy. Look at this contrast. This is April of 21 months after Biden took office. Nearly half the country was satisfied with where the economy was then. Now, barely one in four Americans satisfied with the economy. Couldn't imagine anybody being who who, who's one. Who are the one and the one in four that are satisfied with the economy? Who's got their feet kicked up and lighting a cigar with a hundred dollar bill going? Thank God for Bidenomics. Probably uh, the, you know, the board of Pfizer. (laughs) You're right. The folks that work in big tech were part of the polling process. Big pharma. Sure. This is the NBC News poll. Here's a little something on minority voters. This, as our new poll shows, the president's approval among black voters is down 17 points since the first year of his presidency. Mr. Biden is also down by double digits among Latinos, voters without a college degree and independents. And as we mentioned, 59 percent of Democratic primary voters tell us they want to see a challenger to President Biden. Now, to be fair to Joe Biden, they probably didn't poll all the folks he's let in illegally because i bet they'd sing right you know the praises sure. of joe biden uh how about enthusiasm voter enthusiasm and younger voters there's also this we found an enthusiasm gap between the two parties we asked folks on a scale of one to ten how enthusiastic are you about the presidential election and you can see republican to democrat there is a gap right there where's the lag for democrats we found a couple places non-white voters you can see significantly less enthusiastic than white voters and then how about this age gap the youngest group of voters who democrats have been trying to get excited and motivated a 50 point nearly 50 point gap So really an uphill battle to try to make sure voters don't stay home if you're Democrats. Now, the young voter thing, I don't take too much, you know, into because, you know, there's going to be a big push right before the election. All the same woke celebrities from Justin Timberlake to everybody else, they're going to get the young vote to come in for the Democrats. That's always their play. Okay, are they going to get the Democrats is one thing, but are they going to get the young vote to come in and vote for Joe Biden specifically? I think they will. I just, I, I just, I, I'm not seeing Joe Biden making it to the end of this thing, man. It's oh no! Not. I mean, he's a total zero. It's like weekend at Bernie's, watching him get propped up there. But the Democrat voting machine, and that's what it is. It's a machine. They're going to have every college kid on a campus register to vote, vote early for Joe Biden. They'll be on the campuses while the Republicans are still trying to get a hold of this early voting mail-in voting thing. All right, so that's an NBC poll. Let's shift gears and go to the Washington Post ABC poll. (laughs) They show Donald Trump leading Joe Biden nationally by 10 points, 52% to 42 percent it's funny because the washington post has actually disavowed its own poll <laughs> showing trump up by over 10 percent well this is actually you know what uh, this is an outlier uh it's you know this is isn't keeping up it, it was it's so funny just to hear them they discredited themselves they walked back this poll uh quote its own poll is quote probably an outlier and appeared to cast doubt on the sample because it had Trump in the lead, and yes, it's the Washington Post. Absolutely. 
Now, to be fair, I find myself in a really tricky situation here, Nige. I find myself agreeing, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, with Chris Christie about something, that these national polls don't matter because that's not how we picked the president. I know you all spent a whole lot of money on national polls, um, so I don't I don't mean to go after uh, the polling folks, but <laughs> the fact is that national polls don't matter. We don't have a national primary. If you look at Donald Trump in the latest polls in both Iowa and New Hampshire, the two earliest states, um, he is barely at 40 in Iowa, and he is under 40 at 34 and at 38 um, in New Hampshire. Um, that means that between 60 and 65 percent of Republicans voters in those two very important early states want an alternative. Uh, Hammer, you've, I give you credit, you've been very consistent over the year, over the past year, talking about how national polls don't matter. It's Iowa and New Hampshire. Right. And uh, as much as it pains you to do it, Gotta agree with the big guy, the big fella. <laughs> I mean, it's individual states that pick the president. Those are the polls that I want to see. Here's ABC News anchor. Old lady Raditz, Martha (laughs) Raditz. Uh, This was yesterday on This Week talking about that ABC Washington News poll that shows Biden trailing big to Donald Trump. Trump with a nine point lead over President Biden in that poll and whatever caveats, whether that is an outlier that's a tough one to spin. <laughs> <laughs> Old lady Raditz. Uh, that's a tough one to spin. Yeah, so, boy, they were looking for any way to spin that. and they, Even they knew they couldn't do it. And they were saying the exact same thing the Washington Post said about its own poll. Say it Quote, out loud. <laughs> look, look at this. Quote. The uh, the poll shows Biden trailing Trump by 10 percentage points at an early stage in the election cycle, although the sizable margin of Trump's lead in this survey is significantly at odds with other public polls that show the general election contest a virtual dead heat. The difference between this poll and others, as well as the unusual makeup of Trump's and Biden's coalition, blah, 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 basically challenging, basically saying their poll that they just put out was a bunch of crap. Because it had Trump leading. Uh, The WAPO ABC Uh. poll on the border. The president says his policies are working. We put in place policies that process people in a fair and fast way. But our poll shows only 23% approve of his handling of the situation, another career low. I'm sorry, that was a low, low number. Did I get? Did I catch a 23 Ooh, in there? Niner? Yikes. Catch a niner? Um, how about the same WAPO ABC poll breaking down the economy? When you, when you dive into the big questions around the economy, we know President Biden has been out there trying to make the case. Unemployment is low. Uh, he's been talking about how inflation has been easing. But people aren't buying it. You covered some of the reasons why. Gas prices, uh, food prices, grocery prices and the like. Right now, on the big picture on the economy, 74% of the country, that's about three quarters of Americans, who say the economy is either not so good or downright poor. Now, I've got some more feedback from ABC about this polling, but it's also like we're living in bizarro world because you're seeing all of the national media start to turn on Joe Biden. Two years ago, three years ago, you never would have seen this type of honesty from NBC, mm-hmm. the Washington well, Post, even right. though they're trying to walk it back, and ABC. It's almost like they're trying to force the old man out so somebody younger or a bigger name can come in and save the day. Kevin Newsom. Mm. 
Michelle Obama. Excuse me. <laughs> Here's a little bit more on ABC's polling. Americans overwhelmingly say they are not feeling good about the economy and that the president is to blame. Just 30% approve of his performance on the economy, a career low, largely dragged down by pocketbook issues for families, like food prices that have risen 4.3% since last year. Our poll showing more than 9 in 10 Americans rating them negatively. Wow, 9 in 10. That's a big number. I mean, what were the story we had last week about how Americans are paying about $700 more a month for goods and services? Than the they same were a stuff. Few years ago. Same stuff. Even the same stuff and buying less of it. Not not in terms of like shrinkflation. You're paying the same or, or paying more for a product, but there's less of it in the package. So all this talk about Chris Christie got me thinking. If you need a reason to drink tonight, Nige, if you're looking to maybe crack a cold one open and watch those two Monday Night Football oh, games. I, I don't need a reason. <laughs> I never do. Today would have been the late Barbara Walters' 94th birthday. She passed away a year ago. She would have been 94 today. But I'll never forget her interview <laughs> with Chris Christie where we got these words of wisdom. Words of wisdom with Chris Christie. Your critics call you a hothead. Do you need anger management? Shut up. Words of wisdom (laughs) with Chris Christie. So when you're watching the games tonight, raise up a cold one. Emma and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. All right, Hammer, how do we play this this today? I've got some interesting kind of back page stories in front of me. I'm going to present these to you, Nige. You weigh out all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? All right. So first, we have an update to a story that we had last week. By now, you may have seen the viral video of this lunatic on a golf course who rips off his shirt and he starts yelling at another couple and he keeps their golf ball because of a dispute. We got a Karen on the golf course right now. You leave after I don't give you a damn thing. I'm going to take your club. Take it. I'm not getting a fight on a golf course. I'm going to stand here and you can complain. Goodbye. You took her ball. Please don't speak to me. We're coming over here. You took her ball. Bro, you took her ball. I'm not going to fight you. Because I'll fancy you, Walter. Now get off the cart. Walter. Walter? Walter. Oh, here we go. You see that? Oh. That's a dude who's been to heaven. Do you want to test God? You come get it. And he's mentally ill. Oh. That's what took his shirt off. I know. Okay, so yeah, he's he's pretty cut. I mean, he's a big psycho boy. Yeah, but uh, is he cut enough to rip off a shirt though? Because there was a little I mean, beer belly got, in there too. He's Let's... got a little bit of muscle. I, like I, he was so psycho, I wouldn't want to mess with the guy. And so after this viral video just was everywhere. Of course, he's now banned from that golf course there in Michigan. Plus, this guy's got a long rap sheet, uh, including a number of incidents over the last couple of months. Uh, two weeks later, after this incident, I don't know what his, his last name's Reeb. So I'll just call him Reeb. He was threatening his neighbor while wearing only his underpants. So he has a history of making... Who hasn't done that? <laughs> he has a history of, of threatening behavior while not wearing clothes. 
or disrobing. Uh, three days after the second incident, he was charged with, um, um, you know, r- police responded to a report of a shirtless Reeb uh, chasing, <laughs> chasing a vehicle down the street with, uh, uh, driven by a woman. And he's all, he was arrested twice last month and last year. He's arrested uh, allegedly for planning a riot. Oh, good Lord. So that's your update on the psycho full Hulk guy out on the golf course. Get this guy. I mean, if there's any red flag law that should be applied, it's this guy. I don't know if he owns any guns or not, but this this somebody needs to keep an eye on this psychopath. Now, Allison, you work on the Home and Garden Show. When somebody tries to return an item to Pat Sullivan, does he do the same thing? Does he rip off his shirt and it's go time? Every time. We go through polls like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Is this anything? A proposed AIDS memorial set to be built in Palm Springs, California, is getting some pushback from the community because it resembles a person's rear end. (laughs) Here are the residents of the area complaining about what the proposed AIDS memorial looks like. You hear it called the donut all the time. Um, you hear it called the word we can't say on camera all the time. The backside of the proposed <laughs> memorial looks like a graphic depiction of the backside of a human being. I can just visualize the whole slew of potential <laughs> social media posts making fun of something that is so important to our community. Amber, this is something I just tweeted out. Go to at Hammer and Nigel. And I'm going to give you the headline, all right? So it's not just like local residents that are saying this. This is the headline (laughs) of LGBTQNation.com. Quote, Palm Springs residents complain about proposed AIDS memorial anus statue. (laughs) So that's their words. They put anus in quotes in the the, uh, headline. Could they not have said donut? Nobody says it looks like a tire. Nobody says it looks like a donut. It looks like a close-up of an orifice. It does. It's uh, obviously something, and I can understand why people might, like, I think they're concerned more with the fact that that they're calling, you know, our town has become a laughing stock because of this AIDS memorial that is shaped like a, a pooper. And let's be honest, the stigma with AIDS was that it was a virus that was caused by a lot of gay sex and now drug use and gay sex sure your proposed aids memorial looks like a big old <laughs> anus <laughs> not, not our words no that's the headline of lgbtqnation.com so yes. check that out that's something right now <laughs> at hammer and nigel is this anything a mich- a missing michigan toddler easy for me to say a missing michigan toddler was found sleeping in the woods using her dog as a pillow about three miles from home. Here's the mother, Brooke, talking about her daughter being found five hours from walking from her home. I'm just running up and down the road and we've, we were driving up and down the road trying to search everywhere and we're not hearing any of the dogs. They're not coming to our calls. She's not coming to our calls and 
I'm just panicking. I'm thankful for the dogs being with her because I guess when she was found, the only reason she was found was because the dog was buddy, our bigger Rottweiler, was standing there. And he said he went to touch her to wake her up because she was still sleeping when he pulled up. That's amazing. Yeah, that's something that'd be terrifying. I couldn't imagine the feeling as a parent. And the dogs play a role in this. She said one of the dogs was a Rottweiler. They were protecting that kid. Plain and simple. They couldn't really stop the kid from wandering away, so they just kind of trotted along with the three-year-old. No injuries despite walking three miles barefoot for this little kid as well. The YouTube chat sphincter ring. (laughs) Sphincter ring. Going back to the... uh, I'm aware of the story, yes. Sphincter ring. Okay, thank you. Looked like an anus. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. Guy Relbert, it's a licensed firearms instructor and a Second Amendment attorney. Host of the Gun Guys show right here Saturdays on 93 WIBC. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great. And thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest. And PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or PremierArms.com. Going to play you some audio here of uh, your vice president. Yes. Um, the border czar, Kamala Harris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's added another job title to her um, duties as vice president. Here's Kamala Harris talking about how she's going to oversee the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. We are announcing the creation of the first ever White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention. And we are doing this work in large part because of the activism, the organizing, the marching, the voting of all of you leaders, be it students, parents, teachers, community leaders, who understand that living free from gun violence should be a right. So we're going to work on this together. We're going to continue to fight for reasonable gun safety laws and for the ability of all people to live their best lives free from fear, free from violence. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do. Boy, wouldn't that be great if everybody in the world could just live their lives and be free of fear and anything bad ever happening to them, Guy? What What is, what did I just listen to? What was that? Well, first of all, when I first heard this announcement, I really thought it was going to be something from The Onion. That, <laughs> um, that, that, you know, something like White House announces that it has abandoned all hope of passing meaningful gun control <laughs> by appointing Kamala Harris <laughs> as gun violence prevention czar. I love it. And, uh, you know, given her performance at the border, that's pretty much what you would expect. But, yeah. but, but here's, here's what we can expect from this, you guys. The executive branch can only do so much, right? They can't pass legislation. They can't change laws that were passed by Congress. But what uh, they can do is they can direct their administrative agencies, including uh, the ATF, 
uh, to change rulemaking, change their regs, and and basically just try to harass uh, law-abiding citizens, as they've been doing for a while. And frankly, with some precedent set by President Trump, when he told the ATF, uh, bump stocks, mm-hmm. they're gone. You need to make those illegal. And that's what the ATF did through a rulemaking. And that's getting thrown out in court quite a bit. In fact, I want to bump stock case myself in the Northern, Northern District of Indiana. But, you know, ATF, you know, we talked about pistol braces. Well, they changed the rules on pistol braces. So-called ghost guns, you know, with, without Congress, they went forward and, and did that at the instruction of President Biden. And there are several other examples. So I think what you're going to see is, is executive agencies doing what the ATF's been doing, which is just trying to whittle away at gun rights. And one of the things ATF's already been doing, and you and I, you guys and I have already talked about this, um, is trying to put gun stores out of business, finding any little piddly excuse of, you know, an otherwise law-abiding store uh, operating within the bounds of the law and, you know, just trying to put them out of business because they can declare victory over uh, so-called gun violence. But the other thing I got to say, when I heard that announcement, I heard that quote from her, is she goes, you know, I think you have a right free, you know, to live free of of gun violence and, and, you know, and, 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 and that right's more important than these people's Second Amendment rights. You've always had a right to live free of violence. In other words, the fact that I have a Second Amendment right to carry a gun doesn't mean I have a right to hurt you. Right. And, and, you know, yes, I can defend myself with justifiable force and self-defense or defense of an innocent third person. But outside that example, I have no right to hurt anyone, to commit violence against anyone else, just because I have a Second Amendment right um, uh, to, to keep and bear arms. So the idea that those rights are in conflict or we need to erode or even eradicate the Second Amendment because people have a right to live free of violence. Well, of course they have a right. They've always had their that right. And the Second Amendment doesn't impede on that right in any way. Enforce the laws and you're, you're home free, right? Well, it, it, it's ex- against the law to threaten somebody with a gun or to shoot someone if it's unprovoked or a situation like that. Yeah. Those laws exist. You really want to feel safe lock up some of these lunatics that are repeat offenders. Yeah, well, exactly right. And in fact, I created a meme. I haven't published it yet. I was still kind of playing around with it. But, um, you know, it says, uh, it says, uh, White House announces um, White House uh, counsel to keep bad guys in jail. And I thought, <laughs> well, there you go. Right. You know, I mean, that, that that's that's the office they should have created, uh, you know, to put bad guys in jail uh, and keep them in jail. That's what we ought to be talking about. Um, but no, no, uh, the White House Office of, uh, of Gun Violence so it Prevention. It doesn't sound like it has any teeth, but no. future administrations, I mean, does it, I mean, could this be weaponized in any way? Oh yeah, gun owners. I, I I absolutely expect it that it will be, and I think that'll happen in, in the next two years under this administration. But I think it's going to be through what I talked about, Nige, which is okay. administrative yeah. action and rulemaking um, that they'll what they'll they'll try to use to subvert Congress. But the good news is Kamala's in charge of it. So if it goes over half as well as it does her duties at the border, gun <laughs> rights will oh, be yeah. just fine. That, that's Nothing why, to worry about that, at all. That's why I thought it was an announcement. <laughs> she exactly will ignore reason. this duty just like she ignores yeah. her duties as the guns are. I'm exactly. sorry, the borders are. Yeah. Uh, Guy Relford with us. Uh, on your show this past weekend, you had a story about Indiana Democrats trying to repeal the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act. First of all, 
what is that? Yeah, the, the Firearms Preemption Act is one of the most important laws we have in Indiana from a Second Amendment perspective. And this was passed in 2011. And basically what it says is local governments, like, say, the city of Indianapolis can't regulate firearms. Um, there are certain exceptions, like they can say, well, you, they, they can prevent uh, having a gun in a, in a building that contains a courtroom. But uh, Hawkset right? and Sharif certainly want to do that. Well, that's right, and that's exactly why you, you're seeing this bill uh, being talked about, because a, an Indianapolis senator, uh, Fadi Kadura, announced uh, last week that he's already written a bill, and he'll be introducing it. I mean, he can't introduce it until the session starts in January, but He's going to be publishing it here sooner than later, um, where he seeks to repeal the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act. And it's no it's no coincidence that he's in Indianapolis and the Hawkshead administration, uh, city county council has already passed an ordinance that's only contingent on the preemption act being repealed that will do four things. It'll raise the minimum age to buy any firearm in Marion County to 21, so you won't even, you know, as 18, 19, 20-year-old be able to buy a rifle or a shotgun. Um, it would ban so-called assault weapons. It would uh, roll back constitutional carry in Marion County, and, and it would uh, <laughs> prohibit all concealed carry, whether you have a license or not. In the Marion amount of County. time these guys spent on this, when there are other things they could actually oh, yeah. do in Absolutely. Indianapolis. All these counselors with a D next to their name, from Vop Osley to Frank Mascari and all these guys, this is what they spent their time on. Crap they can't control. Oh, yeah, and this is what the Republican candidate, Jefferson Shreve, is campaigning on. Because remember, because <laughs> he came out and said... As oh. if it couldn't get any worse after <laughs> that, that list that Hammer just rattled off. Because three of those proposals are fully endorsed and part of the platform of Jefferson Shreve. And he said, because he's a Republican... He can go to the Republicans in the General Assembly and accomplish what Democrat Fadi Kadura and the Hoxton administration are trying to do through the bill we're talking about, which is repeal the preemption law. So it's a very, very important law. And it, and it prevents you know, cities like the city of Indianapolis. And look, Bloomington would jump right on board. Fort Wayne would jump right on board. Uh, Evansville, Bend, would, Hammond, yeah. Evansville, so many of these cities. So suddenly, you know, if you happen to live within the city limits of one of these towns, suddenly your Second Amendment rights just got a great big bloody chunk taken out of them because your local administration wants to cater to its base, just like Joe Hogsett wants to do here. The preemption law prevents them from doing that. And But Fadi Kadura, and he went to Fox 59, and, and they, of course, uh, put together uh, this piece where they totally kissed his butt and said, oh, yeah, and they interviewed all the <laughs> typical, you know, uh, Moms Demand type people. Um, it went on and on and on. And then they gave me, uh, they came and interviewed me in my office for about 20 minutes, and they gave me my obligatory, like, 11 yeah. seconds. Um, <laughs> Satan worshiper Guy Relford had yeah, this to right. say. It's like, it, and, 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 and oh, by the way, we checked the box by talking to this bald dude. And, uh, you know. And, and, That's what the photo says, bald dude. Yeah, exactly. And so, so, uh, so they, it, it, they, I, they, they did play just a very, very little bit of, of the interview I did with them. But, but the point that I made is, is, is listen, Marion County, I, I made off camera because, of course, they didn't play this part. But Joe Hogsett and, and frankly, Jefferson Shreve have, give, doing, have, have given us a, 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 a great favor um, on this issue of should we ever repeal the preemption law? Because look at the extreme measures that Marion County has already put in place. They go into effect. If, if Kadura's bill would be, and this is not going to happen in, in, a mil, in a million years, but if it were to go into effect tomorrow, then Joe Hogsett's ordinance goes into effect tomorrow. And I would be subject to a $2,500 fine by walking uh, you know, out of this building at the end of this interview with my 
a concealed handgun, notwithstanding the fact that I have a license to carry a handgun issued by the state of Indiana. Wow. So, in theory, and we talked about this off air before we went on, I walked outside the front door before the show to do my usual lap around the circle. Yeah. By the way, shout out to the uh, police officer, lovely young lady, said she loves the show. Oh, right on. Uh, thank you so much. But there were five homeless dudes sitting on the ledge like right there outside of our window of the radio station, just five. If one of them pulls a weapon on me, and if I had my weapon guy, Joe Hogsett, and ultimately Jefferson Shreve would say, I'm the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Oh, well, you talk about you walking out of here. Just in order to pay off a bet that you whipped my butt on over the weekend, <laughs> I got down here. And I came straight from court, but uh, I had to run over to Big Red Liquor, just right over uh, on Penn, to uh, pick up the 12-pack I owed you uh, to pay off my my bet that, that you stomped me on. The Colorado-Oregon game, yes. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, I benefit from this bet as yes. well, well, just yeah, well, ancillary that my, that my goal. I'll be lucky if I get two out of these guys <laughs> with Nudge. Well, and, 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 <laughs> got him a case but, of uh, yeah, on, on tall that boys. Point, yeah, the bet was for a 12-pack, but I got stomped so bad based on how how bad Oregon beat Colorado. I, I, I got 18 tall boys. <laughs> but but you talk about walking out of here um, you know, in, with all the homeless guys. Try walking out of Big Red Liquor on yeah. Penn, halfway around the circle, coming to the studio with a cold 18-pack of beer at, <laughs> at 4.30. I, I, I felt like uh, uh, Taylor Swift at that, at that cheese game last night. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was a popular guy. But, but to your point, um, both Jefferson Shreve, both believe it or not. And Joe Hogs would want to fine me $2,500 because uh, I was otherwise legally carrying my gun with a license to carry. That's obscene. It's lunacy. Hope you guys don't mind. I'm going to crack open one of these uh, uh, victory beer. Tall boys that they taste so good, but they're even better when Guy Relford (laughs) provides them after losing a college football bet. Uh, Gun Guy, Guy Relford with us, 2A attorney and host of the Gun Guy show here. So take me through this high capacity magazine ban. Yeah, what, what has happened is a federal court in California has ruled that California's so-called high-capacity magazine ban is unconstitutional. And what this is, guys, this is another case. Because you remember when the Bruin decision came came down from the U.S. Supreme Court June of 2022. And remember, we sat right here in the studio, and I talked about what a big deal this was. Because all it did on its face is it set aside New York's May-issue handgun licensing scheme, where some official in New York gets to decide who gets a license and who doesn't, based on whether they have a need to carry a gun or not. And the Supreme Court set that aside. And a lot of people looked at that and said, well, okay, that's good from New Yorkers or any other state. And there were another seven or eight that had similar systems. That's good for them. It doesn't really impact us. And I went, oh, no, no, no. Not only what they did, but how they did it. And the test that they came up with that said is, is the test for determining whether any gun control law is constitutional or not is based on text, history, and tradition. That is the text of the amendment we're talking about, in this case, the second. Uh, And then the history and tradition of regulation of that right uh, in this country going all the way back to the foundation. And unless there's a long history of similar restrictions being upheld, then it's unconstitutional. And that's the test that was applied here in California, of all places. And the court said, oh, no, this is this is an extreme and very recent measure trying to limit how many rounds someone can put in their gun. There's no history or tradition here. It's clearly within 
the definition of arms within keep and right to bear arms. This is unconstitutional under the analysis of the Bruin case. And that's exactly what I predicted here in this studio was going to happen because law after law after law all across the country, we've talked about some of them, uh, people under a domestic violence order of protection, uh, people convicted of nonviolent felonies, uh, uh, 18 to 20 year olds uh, trying to buy uh, a handgun. There are a whole bunch of these laws, and I can cite you f- half a dozen other examples that are that are falling by the wayside uh, based on the Bruin analysis. And this is just another one. And 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 when when people, when legislators or Joe Hogsett or anybody else here in Indiana want to say, well, we want to ban so-called assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, uh, guess what? You're going to have a tough road to hoe. And this is just another example of how those uh, those laws are absolutely going to be found unconstitutional. I'm really confused, Guy, because during the unveiling of the Office of Gun Violence Prevention, (laughs) Joe Biden Biden said, quote, if you need 80 shots in a magazine, you shouldn't own a gun. Oh, well, That's yeah. a direct quote. Did we get the deer and Kevlar joke? Did we get that <laughs> no. one this time? But I'm well, saying, no. like, just, I know we got like 45 seconds left. Like, three guys break into my house. Yeah. And they're each loaded with assault weapons or whatever. I want as many shots and I want as many rounds in my gun to protect myself as possible. Hey, you my- know what I mean? My client in uh, Eli Dickin in the Greenwood Park Mall, who, who hit eight out of ten shots, and there was one bad guy involved. It still took eight shots to end that fight. Yeah, it took him ten. It took eight hits. And 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 our president and I'm sure Kamala and a lot of legislatures and Joe Hogsett and Jefferson Shreve would want to take that right away from us. That's crazy. Where can we find you at, my friend? At Twitter. on At Guy Relford, I should say. On Twitter, at Guy Relford. He is a 2A attorney, the host of the Gun Guy Show. Guy, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Hammer, I'm so excited because the writer's strike in Hollywood, I think, is just about to wrap up. It's about to be over, so I can go back to watching my favorite late-night shows, Seth Meyers and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon. I'm so, gosh, I'm so excited. Writer Cup greater than writer's (laughs) strike. (laughs) Uh, Something that's not anywhere close to wrapping up is the United Auto Workers strike. Um, and I don't know. Maybe there's some friendliness towards Ford right now happening. But the, I, I think, especially with those texts last week from the aide of a leader of the a, uh, UAW that was kind of making it sound like they're here to sow, sow some discord. They're here to cause chaos. They're not here to F around and just lay down. This might be a prolonged thing. Well, thank God that the United States government has somebody competent as the Transportation and Travel Secretary. Oh, yeah. Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> who's had one disaster right after the other under his watch, he did an interview with Meet the Press this past weekend. And according to now Transportation Secretary Pete, Joe Biden's going to be going out on the picket lines with the folks of the UAW. So you know me, Nige, I'm a betting man. 
what do you think the chances are of either Joe Biden not being strong enough to hold up the picket <laughs> sign, like a frail Mr. Burns, almost like from The Simpsons, or he's out there on the line, he's marching, and he falls. Uh, he stumbles. Uh, de- definitely, no question, he falls. Do you think he can pick up the sign, though? I think, I think, I think the sign will be fine, um, but it, 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 there's at least going to be a trip or a fumble or a stumble, for sure. <laughs> so, Pete Buttigieg yeah. on Meet the Press, he was asked if... Joe Biden supports the UAW's demand for a four-day work week for five days of pay, because that's kind of one of the demands they have. They want a 40% raise, around 40%, and they want a four-day work week. Listen to Pete Buttigieg dodge the question. One of the other items that labor workers are asking for more controversially is a four-day work week with five days of pay. Would the president support that? Does he think that's right? Well, again, he supports them getting a record deal. Uh, he and the administration yes? are we're not at the table, right? We're not part of the negotiations. We're not uh, doing the numbers. That's for the companies and the unions to do. But what the president is making clear is that he is leading an economy where people need to, as, as he says, where the economy needs to grow from the bottom up and the middle out, not the top down. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And if you're Pete Buttigieg, you can dodge a question. I, mean, I do think the four-day work week with more pay is pretty outrageous, don't you? I, I just, I'm sorry, just for the outside looking in. I, but that's the way negotiations go, right? You ask right. for something outrageous, and you come down a little bit to where you actually want to be in the end. We'll see what happens. It sounds like, like you said earlier, Ford is at least willing to have conversations. Yeah, but these, these text messages that got leaked also make it seem like the the UAW is going to play the three big three off one another and just so, so more discord and uh, and havoc. And it just doesn't sound like it's going to be ending anytime soon, which will happen to cause more layoffs coming here to Indy as well pretty soon. So far, Indy has been able to dodge a lot of the layoffs and the strikes. The strikes. Yeah. But uh, if this thing plays out longer, which it looks like it's going to, Indy will definitely be in play I here. Think they, I think the auto unions, they have like a fund, like a strike fund that's got $800 million plus in it. Their dues fees that they pay yeah. when they join the unions yeah, basically built up. Like So if all 146,000 members strike, they each get like $500 a week, which would last until next year. Uh, which five hundred bucks? I mean, when you're working in an auto shop, that's not a lot of money compared to what you're making salary wise. One hundred percent. All right, tell me if this moves the needle for you. It's been finalized. Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis—they're going to have a debate on Fox <laughs> News. It's going to happen on Sean Hannity's program, November thirtieth, nine p.m. somewhere in Georgia. That's so funny. Yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, it's kind of like screw all these other guys that are running. I mean, Newsom's not even running for the, you know, for the Democratic officially. nomination. Not officially. The shadow campaign uh, says otherwise. <laughs> but uh, it's like Ron DeSantis is like, why bother wasted time with all these other scrubs? I'm just going to go straight to the guy I'll be I'll be facing in the election in the general. It's 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 a it's a bold strategy. Is this DeSantis trying to, one, reinvigorate his campaign, or two, yes. laying the groundwork for maybe 2028? 
because these could be the front runners for 2028. Yeah, um, maybe all of the above. I, I just don't know why you do this ultimately. Like, why are they? I mean, come on. Are what's, you more excited for deal? this, though, than the debate happening yeah. this week? Yes. Because there's a GOP debate this week, and I don't think anybody's excited really to watch it. We're not going to do a bingo card here because we did one for the first round. And honestly, it's a lot of the same people probably doing yeah. the same things. And Newsom's no slouch when it comes to debates. He was on Sean Hannity not too long ago and stood toe to toe with him. And he had, did. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with his policies, but he did well. This is Ron DeSantis. About a month or so ago, he was speaking to Sean Hannity when the idea came up of debating Gavin Newsom. Absolutely. I'm game. Let's get it done. Just tell me when and where. We'll do it. And here's the thing, Sean. I mean, in, in one respect, the, um, the debate between California and Florida, you know, has already been had, as you suggest. People have been voting on that. They've been voting on it with their feet. They have fled California in record numbers. Florida has been the number one state for net in-migration. We have the number one ranked economy, number one now in education, crime rate at a 50-year low. But in another sense, this is the debate for the future of our country, because you have people like Joe Biden. They would love to see the Californication of the United States. Biden may not even be the nominee. You could have Gavin Newsom. You could have Kamala Harris. And I think if we go down that direction, that's going to accelerate American decline. We can't see America decline anymore. We need to reverse American decline. That was a couple months back when the idea was floated. Hey, why don't you and DeSantis have your own? I'm sorry, you and Gavin Newsom have your own debate. So here's a little bit more because Ron DeSantis loves talking about Gavin Newsom. The rivalry between California and Florida has been brewing for a long time. Here's a little bit more from the governor of Florida. You know, it's interesting. Um, He's got huge problems in his state. I mean, like, huge problems in his state. We all know that. I mean, you see it in San Francisco. You see it in L.A. You see it in the people fleeing. And, you know, you can kind of understand if somebody comes from Minnesota and moves to Naples, better winners, all this stuff. But if you're leaving, like, Southern California to move to, like, Jacksonville, which is a great place, you're not doing it because of the weather, because they got probably have the best weather in the country. Uh, you're doing it because the place is so mismanaged and ill-governed that you just can't take it anymore. And so, and yet with all those problems, he has a real serious fixation on the state of Florida. I mean, I think it's just bizarre that he does that. So November 30th on Hannity's program at 9 o'clock, somewhere in Georgia to be announced, you're going to have DeSantis against Gavin Newsom. And I had a blast watching that Colts game yesterday. Uh, Colts win by a field goal in overtime. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the WIBC hotline. Kevin Bowen is from our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan, part of the wake-up call with KB and Andy. And KB, Nigel was gone last week when we had our conversation, but I made it perfectly clear. I hate the city of Baltimore. I think it's a rat-infested <laughs> hell hole. I think if you walk through that scene, you don't step on a cockroach. You should probably buy a lottery ticket. So if the Colts don't win another game all year, nothing brings me more joy (laughs) than knowing that the Baltimore fans, who are still salty that the Mayflower trucks brought their team here to Indy, have to go all season long knowing they got beat by a backup quarterback. (laughs) Were you uh, 
uh, calling up Joe Hogsett saying, hey, can we get a, um, you know, a Mayflower parade here on Monday morning? <laughs> this may shock you, KB, but uh, he does not return my calls. <laughs> Shocked by that one. <laughs> so what's the storyline from yesterday? It's it's the kicker, Gay, right? Matt Gay, four field goals, 50 yards plus. Is that the story? Yeah, easily. It's it's honestly, I think it's the greatest regular season kicking day in league history. Wow. Uh, I mean, four field goals from at least 53, and, and that, like, stands out. I mean, obviously, that's, that's a crazy day. But then you factor in, you know, the weather, outdoors. You know, what a day for Matt Gay in the sense of, like, you know, he's facing Justin Tucker. I mean, Justin Tucker, the Baltimore kicker, is arguably the best kicker in the NFL. So, I would think just a meaningful game for him, considering who the other kicker is. Um, and then if you watch those kicks, guys, I mean, right down the middle, oh, yeah. Every single time. I mean, little like uncertainty when he was kicking it. Um, you know, all of them came in meaningful moments. I mean, it was a one possession game throughout. Neither team had a two score lead. And, you know, he, he, he makes the, um, the kick in the third quarter, makes another one in the fourth, obviously makes the kick at the end of regulation and the one there to force overtime. I mean, just all four of them, just critical, critical points in the game as well. So um, an absolutely historic kicking day. And, and for a guy giving the Colts, he obviously got paid very, very handsomely in the offseason, you know, giving the Colts an element that they hadn't had in recent years, and that is you know, any sort of long-distance kicking. Honestly, the Colts probably wouldn't have even attempted those kicks yesterday, let alone yeah. make them you know, four for four. Well, it wasn't Matt Gay signed to the Colts practice squad at one point in 2020 before he went to the Rams? Yeah, it's a wild story. The fifth round pick wow. um, of the Bucks back in 2019, which is, you know, kind of a high draft pick for a kicker and didn't kick well in Tampa, uh, was signed here during that COVID year, which, you know, a lot of teams kind of had an extra kicker, an extra quarterback. So the Colts had that when uh, Rodrigo Blankenship was the kicker and then he left here, went to the Rams, and had a you know great, great 2021 and 2022 season, and finally kind of lived up to that you know fifth round billing and kicked in a Super Bowl and has made a lot of big playoff kicks and you know 50 yard plus kicks. So he's certainly taken quite the path, but I think he's finally got back to that point where you know why Tampa and, and some other NFL teams coveted him so highly. Kevin Bowen joining us from 107.5 The Fan, recapping the Colts' win in overtime in Baltimore. Defense stepped up again, KB. I thought Minshew did a great job in managing the game. Uh, Wasn't dynamic by any means of the imagination, but he did enough to get the Colts in position to win. But the defense, I thought, really played well. Yeah, and that defensive front in particular, Hammer, I feel like has been really disruptive this season. Um, you know, it's a group that whether it's, you know, creating acts or creating turnovers, um, you know, I thought they really kind of set the tone. And yes, you had that early drive by Baltimore, but really the play that, that, that turned it, I thought early on was Juju Brents, the uh, rookie out of Warren Central. He had that big forced fumble. He even fell on that fumble. And that was at a point in the time of the game where, you know, Baltimore, I look like they're going to go up 10 nothing, maybe even 14 nothing. So just a huge sequence there by Brents to make that play. And a really, really important, um, I thought, from a momentum standpoint, to just inject a little bit of life as the visiting team or else you get down two scores and you know, your offensive line and, and a backup quarterback holding up, you know, would have been a, uh, a concern. But, 
Yeah, your defensive front has been really, really good this year. Some timely pressures on Lamar Jackson. And really outside of two drives, Baltimore had a pretty quiet day offensively. So, I don't think there's any question who the number one quarterback is, right? We all know who number one is. And we're hoping that Anthony Richardson comes back and plays against the Rams. But I was thinking throughout that game, Kevin, do the Colts win that game if Anthony Richardson is the quarterback? Um. That's a good question. You know, I, certainly what Minshew did the best yesterday is he didn't turn it over. Outside of that, I don't really know how much good he brought to you. I, I thought the passing offense had a real, real struggle. Obviously, you're limiting yourself from a run game standpoint when Minshew is their quarterback. Um, the other area I thought that was a struggle, whether it was all on Minshew or the offensive line a little bit as well, but I mean, there were just some free blitzers early on in that game where either they weren't identified pre-snap or when the ball was snapped, um, just awful pocket awareness in particular by Minshew in you know getting rid of the ball or you know took a lot of just huge hits. Yeah, that play. Hamilton guy for uh, for Baltimore laid him out like three or four times. I mean, he was yeah, and- Minshew was peeling himself up off the field. I'm like, somebody might want to keep an eye on that Hamilton dude because this <laughs> right? keeps happening. And again, I mean, we're we're just talking Nige. I mean, free free rusher. It's not like you know guys were you know missing blocks on him or anything like that. So some of that I do think is quarterback related and just general awareness to say, okay, let's identify, okay, that guy that guy's probably gonna come. I've got two, whatever, two and a half seconds to get rid of the ball here. And you didn't really see any of that. But again, credit to Minshew for not turning it over. But I'm not one that sits here today and, you know, thinks that, oh, you know, stick with Minshew or, you know, if you had Richardson. Yeah, I mean, sure, if you had Richardson, I don't know, maybe on the road in those elements, um, maybe you do have a few more, like, turnover-type plays. But um, still, I, I, I don't think I can go there. All right. So, as fun as the ending of that game was for Colts fans – KB, I felt bad for you Saturday night because I know how much of a Notre Dame fan you are. You are Mr. Notre Dame. Like, you're the dude that probably has the leprechaun suit hanging up in his closet. (laughs) And the way that that game ended with Notre Dame's coach not having the proper amount of defenders on the field for multiple plays. Kevin, take me through your highs and lows of Saturday night. Well, as you ask the question, Hammer, I'm just tapping my fingers on the table, and by the time you finish asking the question, I feel like my fingers are about ready to go through the table <laughs> as you had me relive that that moment. I was very fortunate enough to be in the stadium on Saturday night. I think you can probably hear a tent of raspiness out of my voice. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just I, I try not to speak in hyperbole. I think it's arguably the dumbest coaching decision I've ever seen. Back-to-back plays, 10 players on the field. I don't know if they thought touchdown Jesus or Lou Holtz was lining up (laughs) as their 11th player there. But I I like Marcus Freeman a lot. I think he's done a lot of good. I think he's got a bright future. But that is just beyond inexcusable. Back-to-back plays. We can get into – I mean – Was that worse than the fake punt that Pagano did, though? (laughs) You said it was the worst coaching you've ever seen. Was that worse than Pagano's fake punt? It's it, 1A and 1B. I mean, literally, because you it was two back-to-back plays. You had taken a timeout the first time, and then Ohio State had subbed on the second time. We saw that during the Colts-Ravens game yesterday. You know, when, when one team subs, the other one can counter. And to not even sub there in that moment. And the worst part about it is 
they knew and like the rationale just yell out there or hell run on the field get a penalty a penalty there does nothing of real advantage to Ohio State it, it turns one yard into a half yard I think a 250 pound defensive end being on the field would help you out there to defend a half yard so um, clearly, I'm not over it. Um, just a great, great, great game and had a great opportunity to record one of the bigger wins that program's had in a while and decided to piss down their leg late. <laughs> but if you beat USC and you beat Duke, there's still a pathway for Notre Dame to make that Final Four, though. Sure, but the margin for error is gone. And, you know, at Duke and at Louisville, both in prime time the next two weeks, and then USC at home, I mean, that's a hell of a four-game stretch here. You still have to go to Clemson. I know Clemson has had some issues this season, but I think that's a disappointment. And just all of the, you know, all of the pregame hype, and it's Ohio State, and, you know, all of that. It's not like you play them on an annual basis. Who knows what's going to happen with the expansion of the Big Ten and what's that going to do to these matchups. Sure, you still have a chance, but, boy, in college football, you just lose one game by, what, three, four inches, and the margin for error is all but gone. I was uh, telling Nige earlier, if I ran social media for the IU football team after their four-overtime ugly win (laughs) against Akron, I would troll everybody else in the state. Oh, I'm sorry, Notre Dame, Purdue, and Ball State. Not everybody can look as good as we did this past weekend. (laughs) Well, watching Tom Allen post-game locker room snap his fingers to the IU fight song, I thought I was watching straight no chaser maybe somebody in the the glee club here so when akron misses a 32 yard field goal i guess you do rejoice and uh and celebrate when the rest of the state uh plays like they did kb kevin bowen 107.5 the fan the wake up call with kb and andy kevin thank you all right see you guys whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special and lovely guest on the WIBC hotline. WIBC alumni. Yes. One half of the Chicks on the Right Amy Joe going by Daisy on the Chicks on the Right show and podcast. Now, Daisy, for those who might not remember, you are down in Texas right now. You live in Texas. You and your family, you moved down there a couple of years back. How close to the border action are you? I'm not, like, super close to the border, but I live right off of um, the main artery, which is I-35. So I think that my husband told me once, he goes, I think that's like the main highway where all the drugs come in. Oh, good. <laughs> so I'm like, Wonderful. oh, that's, that's nice. That's really lovely. But yeah, I am. Um, we're okay. We're right. Um, probably about 20 minutes south of Waco. We're right sandwiched in between Austin and Waco in a really small town. Yeah. But so when you're directing like- people how to get to your house, Daisy, do you say if you've gone to where the Branch Davidians are, you've gone too far, you want to be closer yeah, to the drug highway? It's for- <laughs> You know what's funny about that is that they, that place actually still exists. We've driven by it. Yeah. I mean, we we've got you have to go out of your way to get there, but they rebuilt those people. So I know it's kind of weird because they knocked it down, didn't they? They pulverized it yeah. after the uh, the fire. 
Oh, they pulver yeah, they pulverized it. But then they rebuilt. Like that place like those people, that place, that whole they still are there. I mean really? they they rebuilt. Yeah, I mean they it's still a thing. Like, isn't that crazy? That is wild. All right, so take me through what's happening in your neck of the woods in regards to the border situation, because we watch the news here, and it seems like it's more chaotic now than it ever has been. Well, I can tell you that, like, we do a lot of swim meets and stuff like that where we travel. We travel a lot all over Texas. And so cities are different than here than they were even seven years ago when we first, seven, eight years ago when we first bought land here. It, things, I don't want to say that things are decaying, but they kind of are. Like, their city, like, crime has gone up. Things have just gotten different. Things have, um, there's just been a, a, a level of, Decay. Just uh, things are and things are busier. There's a lot more, obviously, a lot more people that have come into Texas, and so it's you know because let's just face it, like Biden for the first two years, he's allowed more than two million illegals to flow into America. Last year it was three million. This year it's going to be four or five million, as the word is out. Because because globally it's like, hey, if you can get here, you can stay here. Because that's their message, right? And then we've got people dying in the Rio Grande. And I, you know, Kit, there's a, what was a three-year-old last week yeah. that we heard dying. And I'd like to know, like, where's AOC? Where are the celebrities that used to cry about kids in cages? Where, where are they? And where are these people on the left who are, you know, open arms, sanctuary city, benevolent people? Where are they? Why aren't they housing these illegals in their homes? You know, these are the folks that have guest rooms in their mansions and guest rooms in their, you know, $400,000 homes. So why aren't they taking them in? Daisy, Why aren't they doing it? And, and what kind of message is it sending to people who are still thinking about coming to this country, who are still thinking about you know giving their life savings to the human trafficking, to the cartels to get over here, when Joe Biden and the administration just told 475,000 Venezuelans, hey, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give you work permits, and uh, we'll let totally. you stay an extra 18 months. What uh, obvious message is that sending? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, well, because they're benefiting, right? They get to benefit and then we get screwed. But you have to remember, too, like, you know, legal and illegal immigration to to here, to America, it's a main driver to like the Mexican economy. They they benefit from this. You know, cartels benefit from this. Sex traffickers benefit from this. I mean, there are a lot of people who are a lot of bad people who are benefiting from this and including the Biden administration because think about all the people that are coming to this country who are illegal and then you know they're they get dispersed and then they you know get disseminated all throughout the country right. they're going to they're going to go to it's not just Texas i mean obviously we're overrun but they're going to you know put them in places like New York City and DC and just and they're going to go all over, all over the country and then they're going to get the the ability to vote they're going to become Democrat voters. That's what they want, you guys. Right. They want to turn tech. They want to turn Texas blue, which they it already is somewhat purple and very purple in a lot of places, and in, it's turning blue in many places in Texas. And that's precisely what they want. They've wanted this fundamental transformation for years. We've been hearing about that, and they're becoming kind of successful with that. So, Daisy, we spoke to somebody last week that was a reporter covering the border, and it's not just the influx of people. It's the humanitarian crisis. You mentioned it earlier. People are drowning in the rivers. People are coming across having nowhere to go. They're sick. They're starving. There's nowhere to put these people. But then you turn on the news and you see Mitch McConnell playing grab ass with Zelensky in Washington, D.C., and Zelensky comes over here and 
gets more money. Like, as a Texan, as an American, what goes through your mind when you see your border, the United States border, being ignored, but we're giving a lot more money to Zelensky to shore up his border? Oh my God, my blood boils. Yeah. It just, it drives me insane. I wish we were like Poland right now, you know, because the, the Polish president, the Polish prime minister, yeah. he's, you know, he's basically like up yours. Like we're done with, we're done with you. We're done with this. And it's, you know, this is a guy who's, who's saying stuff like, you don't get to talk crap about the Polish people. You don't get to talk crap about us. We're, we're done with, we don't want illegals coming into this country and we're just not having it. Don't insult us ever again. And and, you know, Zelensky gives him crap about it. And he's like, I don't care what you have to say. I kind of wish our president, I don't kind of, I wish our president thought that it was his duty to give a crap about Americans and America. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, that would be pretty amazing. So we just spent, what, $113 billion to give to Ukraine? He wants $24 billion more. And there's a, a well, this, I think it was CNN poll that said that 55% of all of us opposed more funding. And it's like 71% of Republicans. 100% of Republicans should be opposed to this. 100% of us should be opposed. But 71% of Republicans oppose it. And Rand Paul is the only one who has any, like, sense, I feel like, with this. I'm sure there are, like, maybe a few others. But Rand Paul is so out and outspoken about this. Because yeah. we're broke. We're borrowing money from China to even get money to give to them, <laughs> which is completely outrageous you guys like i can't believe it's we shouldn't be doing this we're broke it's we just we don't have we need to be taking care of our country and our cities that are in absolute decay right now and we are not in a position to be giving money to ukraine and paying ukrainian pensions Oh, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. It and, is outrageous. And, and there's no yeah. oversight. Rand Paul is exactly right. He keeps on talking about no accountability of where any of this money is going. I have a feeling in a few right. years, if not right now, there are going to be like really, really, really rich people living in Ukraine. And Zelensky has got to be one of them. Right. And he, and he has the audacity to get on, I think it was at the U.N., he had the audacity to, to talk about humanity and us, like, failing on our climate yeah. policy objectives. Like, that guy's like, are you, he's, he's in the middle of a war and he's worried about the freaking weather? Are you, like, <laughs> But you know what I thought about that, Daisy? Yeah, he was lecturing the United States on climate change, and the only reason he was doing that, I think, is because he knows the American people dislike this war in Ukraine. They don't like the support we're giving them. Uh, they don't like all the money that's going over there while our border is open. And so Zelensky is pandering to the lefty of the leftists uh, when he talks I, about climate change. I mean, I guess that's who he has to, yes. to pander to at this point. Right, because he knows it's, it's unpopular. It's outrageous. Chatting yeah. with Daisy from the Chicks on the Right program. Daisy, it's debate week. It feels like Woo this debate is lacking yeah. a little sizzle. <laughs> like the first debate, people were still wondering, you know, is Trump going to show up at the last minute? He said yeah. he wasn't going to show up, but is he going to show up? Plus, it was the first debate. Here we are for number two. We know Donald Trump's going to be in Michigan speaking to the striking auto workers. Does this debate do anything for you? Oh, my God. Do you think anybody's going to watch this, you guys? It's like, wah, 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 wah. I, so, I, okay, I, I have a prediction. This is a bold 
bold prediction. You guys ready for it? I think think Doug Burgum is going to be the sleeper. Wow. Oh, come on. Doug. I'm serious. Doug. I'm, I'm, I'm... I'm, yep, Doug. I'm putting it out there. I feel like everybody else, we kind of know like what they stand for, who they are. You know, you got like, yeah, I mean, because you got Chris Christie's like going to be talking about stalking Trump. You got yep. Tim Scott. He's like super nice dude. Pence is like a stat. No one cares. Pence, go away. He's like establishmenty. We already know what Vake is all about because he's like, he's kind of, he's Mr. You know, I, he's just out there. He's and a Trump fanboy. People like what he. He is. He's, and I think the millennials really liked him. But, and the reason I said Nikki, and you know I like Nikki Haley. I like her. I feel like she could be tapped as a VP at this point. But we haven't heard much from Bergam. We haven't heard much. And the reason I Unless you're talking about Ukraine. Hot damn. He loves talking about Ukraine, Daisy. He wants to give all of our money to Zelensky, just like we talked about. I hate that. I hate that. I, I hate that about him. I do. And listen, and we're we're hopefully we're actually going to have him on our show here in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to like grill him about that. I'm going to grill him on that. But but here's the thing. I have millennial kids. And the reason that I think he's kind of like a little bit of a he, um, a wild card is because my millennial kids keep telling me, listen, we really like Vivek because he has all these great ideas and it's awesome and blah, blah, blah. But they look at a lot of these millennials, I say a lot of mine, it's, they, they have been telling me that they like him because he looks like the stable dad. And they need a state. We need a stable dad right now. And I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. It's an interesting perspective. Okay, because I don't look at him that way, because there are other people that I'm kind of I'm eyeing right now. And DeSantis, you know, we really like DeSantis, and I like Trump, and I, you know, these are the people. But they are like, I, this guy is really interesting. He's sort of flying under the radar. I just want to see more of what he has to say. So I'm just putting that out there. I just think it's interesting because you look. You have to ask other people what they think, other conservatives. And I think the millennial perspective is an interesting. One. Got about 30 seconds left. So will you be watching the debate? Will you be watching Trump do his speech? Or will you just take a bath and say, screw it? I will be having to flip back, back and forth because I'm forced to, you guys. But maybe I'll do it from the bathtub. We all watch this stuff so you don't have to. <laughs> exactly. <That's> the mantra. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She is yeah. one part of the Chicks on the Right, chicksontheright.com. Check out the podcast. Check out the site. Daisy, thank you. Thank you. Y'all have a good week. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time. When we used to kick Oh, yeah. Moonshine Mondays here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Coming up after 6 o'clock, uh, I'm still perplexed about these kids in the city shutting down streets while riding horses. Kids? They were grown-ass adults. <laughs> where? If you live downtown Indianapolis, where are you getting horses at? All right, so we'll, we'll have that. We'll break that all down for you after 6 o'clock. But on to the more important stuff right now, Hammer. What, so what do you got there? This is a little topical selection from Sugarland's Shine in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I know you and Rob Kendall, big golf fans. You like to play golf. I you do. like to watch golf. Yeah. It's Ryder Cup week. So, with that being said, look what we got here. Oh, right on. Ryder Cup Lemonade Moonshine. Ryder Cup Lemonade Moonshine from Sugarlands down in God's country of Gatlinburg. I'll take that. That was kind of a big pour. That's all right. Do you hear me complaining? (laughs) I'm not Rob Kendall. You keep on pouring here. So let's try the Ryder Cup Lemonade Moonshine. Cheers. USA. Oh, it's got a little kick to it. Oh, woo! 
Woo! It's got a little kick to it. Yeah. USA! <laughs> USA! That's pretty good, man. That is That's real good. good stuff. Um, final verdict on the Colts game yesterday, just real quick, because I know we're up against the break. Screw Baltimore. <laughs> take the win. We stole yeah. your team, and Guy Relford yeah. helped do it. That's right. I love it.